If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Georgia Tech is proud of its many traditions, but the one I find most exciting is our tradition of excellence. Our mission as students is not to follow in the footsteps of the astronauts, Nobel Prize laureates, and president who graduated before us, but to exceed their footsteps, crush the shoulders of the giants upon whom we stand. We here are all such innovative people, so I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing that. What is that? Well, what this is, or what that is, or I, I'm not good at English because I'm a tech alum. I'm your host, Stephen. With me is my other host, Joshua. And you are doing this with us, which is, what's the good word? Welcome, Joshua. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, welcome to you, too. Uh, I know this is my favorite part of the week. I hope it feels the same way to you. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm not having you. You're the host. We're both hosts. And I'm not going to say we're having each other because that gets a little weird. Hey, welcome to What's the Good Word. It is the podcast for Georgia Tech alumni and fans, by Georgia Tech alumni and fans. All things you want to know and maybe some things you don't want to know about what's going on with Georgia Tech athletics. So, Joshua, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. What's the good word? To hell with Georgia. What's the uh, good word? For me, it's to hell with Georgia. Beautiful. All right. All right. We settled that. So, uh, in our, uh, if you, if this is your first time on the show, welcome. We're glad you're here. Leave us a five-star review in your, uh, wherever you're listening to us on your podcast platform uh, and let us know what uh, you, you aren't hearing that you'd like to hear. Today, uh, what we do is we take the show and we do two different sections at the front end. We try to do all kinds of news, hit you with as much news as we're finding on the different websites that we're uh, searching and looking at. Uh, shout out to uh, ramblingrec.com. Also, uh, Rivals and uh, from the Rumble Seat and Bleacher Report, SB Nation, and AJC.com. So that's kind of what we're searching. So we want to bring you as much news as we can, uh, as quickly and efficiently as we can. And then the second half of the show, uh, we'll kind of do a deep dive. Uh, and today, we are going to be covering the opening game, which happens on Monday night, Labor Day night, uh, against Clemson in the Mercedes-Benz Dome here in Atlanta. So, Silver Dome, brother. <laughs> nice wrestling reference, although Hulk Hogan did not go to Georgia Tech. No, I, um, I don't think he could have passed any kind of injury exam into any college in the country. But def- well, well, he probably could have gotten into Georgia, but uh, that's because they're not really. They would have anyway. just, just faked his essay papers and put him on the football team at you know, right guard. <laughs> 24-inch pythons. <laughs> All right, so uh, – what we want to talk about today, uh, we're going to talk about football, volleyball, uh, maybe a little bit of golf and and, uh, and basketball. So as we get into that stuff, let's start with uh, with football. Joshua, uh, what do you have first? Well, uh, as the recruiting honcho of this podcast, we have recruitment news for you. Georgia Tech picked up yet another um, recruit commit for their 2023 class. 
It currently stands at 16 now, which is actually one more than they got out of all of 2022. That's after factoring all the decommitments, so it's not you know set in stone, obviously. But they're able to pick up um, an offensive lineman, yet another one. They've got a lot of those in this class. His name's Benjamin Galloway. Uh, he's from Powder Springs, Georgia, Hillgrove High School to be specific. So good to see Collins going after a local kid. He was unranked on the 24-7 composite and any kind of 24-7 rankings. Uh, some of that might be they haven't necessarily got around to that. Some of it might be he's a little bit kind of off the radar. From his offer sheet, you probably wouldn't have thought that. He got offers from Houston, Maryland, Missouri, and USF. So not super impressive, but, you know, power five or high-level group of five teams in there. Uh, and then USF, who's, you know, terrible now, but either way. Uh, he is 6'5", 293 as an 18-year-old. That's very impressive. It really makes you wonder once you get him into the – Georgia Tech strength and conditioning program. What kind of physical prospect is he going to become? Um, couldn't find too many detailed scouting reports, but he did do an interview with GoJackets.com, and he mentioned um, that his mom really wanted him to go to Tech for the academic uh, level of study that he would get from that. And the way he put it was, you know, being able to play football for a big-time school and also get an education that will set me up for the rest of my life really uh really factored into his decision so seems like the kind of kid we want uh we want coming to the to the yellow jacket so you know not not going to grab too many headlines but um it looks like it has a chance to be pretty a pretty decent pickup you know it comes down to how they develop them but overall solid pickup i like it well done uh so staying with uh football we were uh we saw a few different stories come out this week. Um, let's start uh, real quick. Jeff Collins just had his, what he calls the ATL or above the line. He doesn't name starters. Yeah. Uh, anything interesting kind of coming out of the coaching staff uh, this week that you want to highlight? Um, it looks like they're really excited about this DB group, which good. Cause I am too. Um, guys like Miles Sims, who was a highly touted freshman when he came in, He's finally getting a chance to start or potentially start a cornerback since we don't know due to the ATL. Uh, I don't know why Jeff wants to be that different. Um, they've mentioned specifically Kenyatta Watson the second, which is the guy that I've been really excited about because he's easily the best athlete in that class. Um, his father does work for the team as a recruiter. Um, but Kenyatta he came over from Texas, I believe, last year. Didn't get too many chances to play, but this year they've really been putting him in. And according to the above the line, it looks like all of the tr big-time transfers in the uh, secondary group are all playing. K.J. Wallace, uh, Eric Reed, Kari Gee, Amari Harvey, all those guys are going to are gonna be active on game day, which I think is a big deal because, you know, that was that was the biggest strength of this transfer class. Speaking of which, there was a story that came out about how uh, they were making a big deal about how defensive substitutions this year are going to be very different than what we've seen in the Jeff Collins era, with the quote kind of being, I'm, I'm butchering it, I'm, uh, of course. so it's an exact quote, but they were basically saying the best players are going to stay on the field rather than worrying about rotating in and out as much to keep players fresh. Um, as someone who's watched the product and uh, recognize that player development is something that I, I think has been lacking. Keeping the best players on the field for as many plays as possible is probably giving your team the best chance to win. It sounds like common sense to us. I'm sure that there's some kind of reason behind it. I'm assuming, you know, for like fatigue and whatnot. But well, I, I think one of the well, I think one of the reasons behind it as well was you were starting with a bare cupboard. If 
the type of player yeah. you want in it. So let's get as many on the field and let's get as much experience for these young guys as possible. Yeah. I, 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 especially first one or two years, especially. Yeah. But yeah, by now you better be having the best players on the field and they better play as much as possible. Yeah. Last thing uh, that I'm going to uh, kind of push on you with as far as football goes, uh, there was a big article about uh, the new quarterbacks coach, which we didn't have a, apparently quarterbacks. We didn't we, have a, we did. Dedicated coach. Dave Pondley, the offensive coordinator, he was technically the QB coach. Right. So talk a little bit about uh, the, the what's coming out of apparently this relationship with Chris Winkie and Jeff Sims. Well, it looks like it's Jeff. Jeff is on record himself saying that it's helping make him better. And I mean, everybody else in tech is noticing um, the article that you're talking about from the AJC by Ken Segura. It specifically mentions they were doing like red zone drills, I think a couple days ago. And he was just, he was, he was beaming them. You know, he was, he was hitting his receivers on target in stride, putting the ball where he needs to put it. Um, and it looked a lot different. You know, we've, if you've watched the product, you know, Jeff Sims had some scattershot accuracy for the last couple of years. Um, a lot of balls thrown behind too high, too low. Um, so him kind of being able to take a second and go through his progressions and still get the ball there on time. Um, he specifically talked about how Winky um, made it a point to kind of build a relationship with all the quarterbacks in the room before he started coaching them. So that way you knew like he really did care about you and he knew you outside the field before he started getting after him. And Sims is, you know, he, he also pointed out that um, when he does something good, Winky's right there to tell him, Hey, you did a, that was a really good play. Like great job. And if he does something bad, he's right there to tell him, don't do that again. That was, you need to fix this. So seems like he's really staying after Sims. So I, I think it's, and we'll talk about this more with the Clemson game uh, when we go a little more into a deep dive, but there's a lot on Jeff Sims shoulders, rightly so third year in the program. I said, he man. is the, he is the star recruit. You yeah. know, one of the star recruits. He's the one that stayed. Yeah. And, and it's his team. And, uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, rightly so, and he's handled pressure well. He just hasn't really developed from what we've seen. So anyway, let's save that for uh, for the remainder. Uh, so we'll we'll dig into the Clemson game a little more in just a second. But uh, going on some other uh, news, uh, let me let you do one more football thing because uh, the day we are recording this, NFL rosters have made their final cuts after the final preseason game. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the Georgia Tech uh, alum who uh, were trying to make a roster and, and uh, give us the good news and maybe some, some not so good news. Well, unfortunately, it seems like there's a little bit more bad news than good news uh, for various different reasons. So um, there are a few people. Only one person was drafted, unfortunately, by Georgia from Georgia Tech, and it was Tariq Carpenter who went in the seventh round of the Green Bay Packers. He's still on the roster, although I think he's, he is currently dealing with a knee injury. There's a chance that they put him on the IR to open up that roster spot for the first few weeks. Um, I'm assuming he's going to he's gonna stick on the team, and if not, I'm hoping he gets picked up. He hits too hard to not make it in the NFL. But um, So he still has a chance. Um, the other two from this year that ended up making it, Jack Coco, the long snapper, also made Green Bay. Um, made the 53 man shout out. And then, um, the big one, Jordan Mason, uh, running back made the 53 man roster for the San Francisco 49ers. And if there's one thing that I know about the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, 
he uses a lot of running backs. So Jordan Mason has a legit chance to get some snaps at the major at the NFL level. Um, of the other people that were in the draft that didn't end up making it, uh, as of now, obviously these guys will probably get ended up added to you know practice squads or whatever. Trey Swilling was cut by the Titans. Um, unfortunately, I think he's got cut unfortunately a little while ago. Um, didn't show too much. Um, Ryan Johnson, the O-lineman, he had been picked up, I believe, by the Falcons. Um, he didn't make it too far. Quez Jackson, the linebacker, he wasn't able to make it. Kyrick McGowan, the wide receiver, um, he was cut. Uh, Wanya Thomas was cut by the Cowboys. I think he might find some spots here and there. He's got some special teams nice. value. If I were um, – Yeah, if I were banking on anybody to make it, it'd be him because of his ability to return punts. And then the offensive tackle, Devin Cochran, he also got cut as well. So, again, these guys aren't out of the NFL. They can always get picked up on practice squads. There's always a few stories about guys that have you know, played for three, four teams before they get their big break. But you know, good to see a few guys uh, make it to the initial 53. Excellent. So uh, one story I found uh, that I wanted to make sure and bring up is uh, there was a great article in the AJC by Ken Segura uh, on the, published on the 29th. Uh, if you get a chance to look it up, but I'll give you the highlights of it. It's all about Georgia Tech volleyball. Uh, I had said on the last show preseason they were coming in as number nine uh, ranked, depending on what uh, ranking you were looking at. Uh, I did not know uh, a lot about the volleyball team. Uh, Michelle Collier has been coaching at uh, Georgia Tech. I believe this is her ninth season, uh, and I made the comment because they play uh, in the old uh, in the old gym, and uh, that is a, a apparently in this article it talks about across the ACC uh, one of the highlight or one of the things players for other teams are most looking forward to is playing Georgia Tech. Mm. Number one, because Georgia Tech is a high ranked team now. This is the highest ranking we've ever had uh, in a while, and number two. Um, apparently it's a little raucous and a little rowdy and a little loud. Uh, they, they, uh, sold out like 11 of their matches, 11 of their home matches mm. last season. Wow. Um, I will also circle a very important date, uh, October 9th this year, uh, Georgia Tech vol- women's volleyball will be hosting Pitt, which is an ACC rival in McCamish. And, uh, the old gym holds about 1100, 1200 people. And so you can pack some people in there and get crowds of, you know, 1,000, 1,200, make a lot, lot of noise in the old gym. Uh, but McCamish obviously holds a lot more. So uh, the, the players were interviewed talking about excited about being able to play in McCamish. It will be the first volleyball game inside McCamish. Wow. Uh, I hope it's the first of many. I hope students and fans will show up and show out and kind of make some noise. Uh, apparently, uh, Georgia Tech did make the Elite Eight last year. And there were three ACC teams uh, in the Elite Eight, if I'm not mistaken, three or four. So the ACC is a volleyball powerhouse. You know, I'm I'm an alum from more than a few years ago. Volleyball was always West Coast. It was always UC Santa Barbara, UCLA, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Apparently, the ACC has uh, shown up and shown out in volleyball. So uh, Louisville and Pitt are uh, going to be um, kind of major – opponents uh, for Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech has said that they want to win the ACC this year and uh, might be an outside shot at a national championship, uh, which of course, any national championship at Tech 
would be great, but they are definitely a top 10 team. Uh, as I had mentioned last time, Julia Breg- uh, Bergman had played for Brazil over the summer. Uh, she is uh, an All-American volleyball player. They also uh, brought in uh, a good outside hitter transfer to replace a, uh, another All-ACC first-teamer uh, that graduated last year. So pretty solid team. And I had mentioned on the last show they were playing Ole Miss in the Ole Miss Invitational. They beat Ole Miss and number 17-ranked Illinois to win the Ole Miss Invitational. So already off to a great start. Fantastic. Kudos to the women's volleyball team. Keep it up. Uh, if you go to ramblingrec.com, other sports, the men's tennis team, I believe, just uh, put out their fall schedule. So check that out. Uh, and I wanted to mention uh, just a touch, uh, if you're not following Georgia Tech men's basketball, men's and women's basketball, <clears throat> I know specifically the men's basketball does a great job of posting through Bleacher Report, Twitter, and Instagram uh, some really good just highlights of practice. And, and they are back in class. And they are back uh, starting up conditioning and practice. Uh, so kudos to the men's basketball team uh, and the women's team for getting back started. Um, Joshua, we said it on our very first show. We're going to talk about it more as basketball season comes around. I am going to – we're not a hot sports take uh, uh, hot sports uh, take opinion show, but I think this basketball team has a chance to really, really surprise some people. Oh yeah. Um, the 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 going story is they lost a lot of scoring, and they did. Usher and and, and Devoe were forty some percent of their points, but uh, I think there's some diamonds in the rough that were just starting to really come into their own. Uh, not least of which is Jalen Moore. Um, I think Maxwell has an outside shot to be a surprise bucket filler. Uh, if he can play some defense, uh, there is not a shot that kid is is scared of. Uh, I think Lance Terry is a really good uh, tra- uh, transfer, mm-hmm. and we are. I think our backcourt, while kind of undersized, could be uh, a lot of trouble potentially with with the athletic ability of Davon, the hard nosed ability of, of uh, uh, Sturdivant, and uh, and then the kind of, again, leadership, potential scoring and shooting ability of Lance Terry. So, yeah. um, I think so I, I said it before, I think it comes down to Debo. If uh, Debo develops, shows a little something more off the dribble, I think that this has a chance to be to be a really good team because um, if, he, if he can make that off the dribble threat, I think that's just going to help everybody else. I, that and I... I I think it's also going to come down to Mecca and or the new recruit. They just signed Cyril. Uh, if Markinov, I think his name is, uh, if they, cause Pastner's whole thing is on defense and you gotta have somebody in the middle who can erase Rodney is works hard and tries hard. And maybe he's going to deliver defensively because up till now he's been a body and he's, he's worked hard and he certainly has rebounded. But he's not an eraser. He's not a, a rim protector. And yeah. they've got to have better of that. And I think Mecca has the tools, but he just fouls everybody. So if there could be a, a significant step in the big men, and I just I think this team is going to be better scoring than people are giving them credit for now. Um, but if they could get back to defense and add scoring, 
That's yeah. that hasn't had we haven't had that much with Pastor I'm just, the ACC tournament here. I'm just hoping you know not having a guy like Devoe. It sounds bad, like oh, you're not going to have Devoe who could you know put up points in bunches. I'm wondering if that's going to help everybody because he's not going to be monopolizing monopolizing so many offensive possessions. You know, it's not going to be like oh, we'll just give it to Mike. He'll he'll bail us out. You know, they're gonna. Now they're going to have to work, and they're going to have to work together to get it because there's again, unless Debo really takes that sophomore jump, there's not really an off the dribble assassin on this squad the way that Devoe was. Agree, totally agree with that. But again, I think their success will go back to defense. So if they play defense, um, you don't need again. It's the Virginia way of winning, and we did it with Jose and. You know, and we could score finally some the year we, we, you know, won the tournament. And so I think if that's the recipe, if not, we go back to we better grind defense and try to score 50 and yeah. hold them, you know, score 60 and hold them in the 50s. That's the only way we're going to win. Anyway, yeah. all right, uh, that'll be – we'll do a little more in-depth show as, as we start to watch a little more practice and get some highlights and hear some things. Okay, so uh, thank you for listening to the news. We hope you found that helpful. Uh, we'll uh, move quickly into the uh, uh, big chunk of the show. By the way, uh, we would love to do some interviews with players, coaches. I actually am uh, trying to secure a, a, an important interview. I don't want to give it away, but uh, if we can find it. We'll, we'll uh, mention that. But um, uh, So for now, you're stuck with us talking about <laughs> just Joshua and I talking about stuff. So uh, we got the big game. Uh, we got the opening game against Clemson in uh, Mercedes-Benz. Uh, the uh, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets are a, I believe at this point, last I saw, 21 to 24 point underdog, yep. depending on who you look at. Uh, what has to happen for this game to be fun to watch into the third or fourth quarter? Well, I mean – I think that they're kind of disrespecting Tech here because it wasn't that long ago that Tech almost was a fourth down conversion away from beating Clemson last season. And, you know, not not too much has changed. The difference is Clemson's lost both coordinators. Clemson's lost a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, which, you know, they're also replacing him with five stars and top-tier four stars. So they still have the talent. It's just they've lost the established talent. So what needs to happen for Tech to win this game is I think it's got to be what they did last year to be to get so close to Clemson. They've got to make this game about DJ Ugalele, uh, the Clemson quarterback. He has struggled mightily ever since he took over for Trevor Lawrence. He did not have a great year last year. The reason that team was anywhere close to good was because the defense was great and the defense is going to be great again this year. But if you make this game, make it to where DJ Ugalele has to be the guy, you have a much better chance of winning. Because not only has he struggled, he doesn't have the kind of um, wide receiver ability that he had last year. So even last year, he still had Justin Ross, who ended up become who was considered a top NFL prospect at one point. Now he's got some, you know, he's got a veteran laden receiving core in that their top three receivers are it's a senior and two juniors. The thing is. They haven't played. The highest reception count among those three for their career is 47, and that's for Joseph Ngata, who's the senior. So they're bringing a lot of the wide receivers that are starting for Clemson right now. They haven't played significant snaps in their career, and they've been there for four to five years because of the COVID year. 
Okay, so uh, I believe last year I, I read somewhere that you know Tech kind of came out in a three three five and really uh, really kind of coached up the defense. One of the one of the rare uh, <coughs> examples of it, but really, and I, I guess kind of loaded the box or just made it so that it it, it landed on the quarterback to uh, to win the game. I would imagine they're, they'll try to do the same thing. Is it going to be just whatever we do, we're going to stop the run? I mean, and, if it was me, I'd do the same thing I did last year because I held them to 14 points, you know, and then my personnel hasn't changed too much. I, I mean, I still right. you still got Charlie Thomas who can fly around and make plays. You still got um, a, a Denier L.A. who can fly around and make plays. Um, arguably, you're probably better. I don't know about better, but, you know, you've got the same kind of people up front. They've got a year – in the system. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you know, the best player on that Clemson offense is Will Shipley because he was the best player last year and he's back this year. So if you can stop that right. running game of Will Shipley, you know, you you're golden on that end. You've given yourself a chance. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing, you know, and for those of us, and as we've suffered through the college years, one of the things that has been most long suffering is we're, we're just not scoring points either. Yep. Um, I, I think one of the things that I think needs to happen is we, we've got we've to commit to uh, jump balls outside to the receivers, uh, which probably it sounds very neighborhood football. I mean, as you go down to the car and turn left. But, I, I, you know, we've got that. Is it RJ? Um, so uh, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I see what you're saying. Tech does have size on the outside. Um, they've got EJ Jenkins, who's six seven. He's the, the wide receiver yeah. tight end hybrid. He's flashed a little in practice. The other big one is Leo Blackburn, the COVID freshman. He's six five. Um, their tight end Dylan Leonard's also six five, and uh, Malachi Carter is six three. So they've yeah. they definitely have a size advantage on Clemson because looking at their their depth chart, um, they don't really have too many. They've got some six foot tall corners, but. Um, the big one is Sheridan Jones, who's taken over for Andrew Booth. Sheridan Jones is a graduate; he graduated and he has barely started at the ACC level. So this could be a chance to kind of take control of that. I, I, I just I wonder. So first and foremost, I, I wonder if we'll see a lot of run pass option and and just kind Probably. of put it in Jeff's hands to try and neutralize so that's the, a little bit of. Yeah, that's the chip long offense. So I'm assuming that that's going to have to be it. That they're going to have to because the, I was going to get to this, but the biggest thing with Clemson is that D line. Um, they have three NFL prospects who are top 50 according to Dane Brugler from the Athletic, and two of them are top 10, and Brian Greasy and Miles Murphy. How do you give yourself any chance against that kind of a line? What What are the things you try to do? One read. You got to. Yeah. Uh, say you can't you cannot give them time to wreck your game you've got to take them out of the game and you know the way that Tom Brady's done it for years in the NFL is just get the ball out quick so Tech's gonna have to do they're either gonna have to do run pass option where they can either throw the slant or give it to one of the running backs because the running backs are a strength this year absolutely um and then you know if you're not gonna do that if you're gonna do a straight drop back then um just get it up there and let the let the big boys take care of it outside. Yeah, I, I think it's I think the, the the chance Tech has is if they can if they can keep the offense of Clemson 
you know, under, under 30, I think, you know, if you can, boy, 14 would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but if you can keep it in the twenties, uh, or below and, and you just give yourself, you know, maybe you get a flute play, maybe you get a big chunk play. Maybe you just, you know, you let a guy uh, out jump and, and maybe it's, uh, you know, rolling them out, run, uh, run pass option, uh, not being scared to run it straight down their throat to keep them honest and, and, you know, maybe and just running back by committee and constantly shoving it down their throat while also kind of trying to run away from them through some of these other things, but, but quick, 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 utilize Sims quickness to also be quick in the decision. Yeah. Um, And that's easy to say, and it's hard to do if they're not open. Yeah. (laughs) That, that that's going to be the that's going to be the hard part. So, but um, again, the other great thing about this is I, I mentioned it in the terms of the players. Clemson in general is a team in transition. You know, this is this is Clemson's make or break year because if they struggle again this year, Dabo is not the coaching savant that everybody thought he was. You know, Dabo's Dabo's already behind the times. Um, he refused to he refused to take anybody out of the transfer portal. He lost a decent amount of production to the transfer portal. He lost both of his coordinators who had been there for years, and he promoted from within. So, you know, breaking in two new coordinators, breaking in a ton of new players that you've had in your system, you, you Tech has a chance here on the first weekend to kind of catch a team that's talented, but they haven't gelled yet. You know, you see it a lot with a lot of teams like this, like Alabama, first few weeks never looks like the Alabama at the end of the year because they're replacing so much. They need some time to get kind of get into the swing of things. We and, and we saw this last year against Clemson. Exactly. This is what we saw. So, and I'll say, and I hope I don't say this for every game, but, and we won't do an analysis of every single game uh, because, you know, that's not necessarily our strongest suit. But I think the one thing Tech has going into this year, there is, uh, there is no pressure. I mean, the pressure is <laughs> on Collins and anything this team uh. from major league that you know are supposed to lose every game according to who you you know if you talk to people oh they're you know they'll be lucky to win four yeah is is a hold on stranger things have happened yeah, absolutely. Uh, strange things most definitely happen. And, you know, the best part about college football, right, is any any given Saturday, um, there's always a chance. There's always a chance. Now, I, we say this is three touchdown dogs, but. Right. Well, so if we can quote Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. The biggest thing, the other thing for me to keep an eye on, and I'm, I'm saying this, you know, just in general, uh, Georgia Tech's offensive line is very, 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 very young. There is not a player on the start in the start projected starting lineup that has a classification over sophomore. Now, they're still technically those are technically juniors because of the COVID year. They, they're classified as sophomores, but um, the, I mean, there's they're young and a lot of them have not had game experience from Pierce Quick to Paul Chow to R.J. Adams to Corey Robinson to you know a few other people. Either way. Um, that's they're going to get tested. That's for sure. This is a terrible first game to be tested. But like we said, if Tech can kind of 
you know, limit the amount that they have to do, which is hard to do because games are more often than not are won and lost in their trenches. Um, just something to pay attention to. If they look good, we might be in for a good year. If they look bad, uh, it's not the end of the world. Let's let's keep it that way. Right. No one is expecting us to be, you know, the defending the the national champ from a, just a couple seasons ago. Yeah. So, and it'll it, maybe it'll give us some kind of barometer of what kind of season it's going to be. Maybe it'll be a complete blowout, and we can go, wow, that's what we we're expecting. Let's get the win against Western Carolina and move from there. So we want to our um, other ranked opponents. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So I think we've come to that time of the day, Joshua, because one of the things uh, we love to say here on What's the Good Word is, again, we are a podcast uh, for Georgia Tech alumni and fans by Georgia Tech alumni and fans. And one of the things that makes our podcast a little unique is because it's Georgia Tech alumni and fans, we know you got better things to do. <laughs> you got to run the world. You got to make the Iron Man suit. You gotta, you know, you don't need to. Uh, maybe you're not gonna be uh, uh, playing great music during your convocation speech like a badass. But anyway, uh, we got things to do. So uh, thank you for giving us the time that you did, uh, and uh, thank you for joining us here on What's the Good Word. Uh, we want to. Speaking of that, uh, we would love uh, to continue to add listeners. Uh, that is going to happen mainly through alumni and fans telling other alumni and fans, "Hey, check this show out." Little, uh, little off their rockers, little, little goofy, but uh, I find it informative. And again, you can, and you can, if you want to. Uh, Joshua, anything left to add to the good word we've given today? I mean, keep tuning in. You know, the best thing that we can do is keep supporting the boys out there. So, just show up, show out. Um, Either they come back and they look great or Jeff Collins is gone and we have something else to get excited over. Well, and, and we certainly want to encourage everyone to go see the team play. Unfortunately, as it stands right now, I don't think there's – I think they're behind in ticket sales. Last season's uh, end-of-season performance probably adds to that. So if nothing else, go check out the women's volleyball team. Uh, yeah. The October 9th game in, in McCamish. Uh, I did want to mention the Georgia Tech basketball schedule did come out. Uh, opening game, November 12th against Georgia State. If you haven't been following Tech basketball, they and Georgia State have been putting on some great, two straight great opening uh, season games. I hated that we lost the quadruple overtime, but dad, God, what a great game. That's one of the best games I've ever watched. Yeah. And then they did win last season in overtime. And the uniqueness of today of this season's game, November 12th, it'll be at the brand-new Georgia State Convocation Center. I can think of no better way to open the Convocation Center than by beating Georgia State. Let's do it. Uh, Christ so, it with our blood. Yeah. So uh, we'll finish with that piece of news, and uh, we thank you for listening. Uh, we, if there's something you want to hear us talk about, certainly, uh, let us know, uh, leave it in the comments, uh, in the podcast, we'll check it. Uh, there might be an email address coming soon, but that's a very old, old, old thing to do. I mean, what else am I going to give you a one nine hundred number to call for a dollar 49 a minute? <laughs> no, that would be what a Georgia fan would do. So for, uh, for my other host, Joshua, this is, uh, Steven saying, we'll catch you next time. And, and, uh, I got one question for you as a fan guys. Hey, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia. <laughs>